Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of Grace Point Church in Atlantic, Iowa. My name is Don McLean. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Point. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at gracepointatlantic.com. And in the meantime, grab your Bible and check out this week's sermon. Matthew seven twenty four through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Good morning. <clears throat> I feel like the first day of school. Do you remember? <laughs> you're gone for a few months, and then you come back, and you're like, oh, you're all nervous. And uh, I don't know if I'm nervous, but it is good to be with you. Uh, I don't know what week it was, but it was several weeks ago. One of us, Laura and I, one of us turned to the other and said, I miss my church. And, uh, and I don't know if it was a Sunday where the music was, I don't know what it was, but we, we missed our church, and it is really good to be back with you. Um, I want to thank you for the gift, uh, the gift of, of time. It is a privilege to serve a church that has a sabbatical policy that, uh, that recognizes that value of letting our pastors um, refresh and rejuvenate, step away from, from regular duties, and that was just a huge blessing to me. And, and so um, we slowed down. Uh, we, I did a lot of reading, praying, reflecting, um, you know, just, uh, like uh, some of that stuff you, you, you probably all assume I do all the time, but I actually don't have as much time for it as I'd like. And, and so it was really valuable. Um, we, I, I took a prayer retreat in there at a, a retreat center in Nebraska for the better part of a week. Laura and I did a little bit of traveling. Um, some of you might remember my brother had passed away back in May, so we actually went out to New York for a, a memorial service that I did for my brother. So, um, so that was in June, and we had a family wedding in August. Our son Josh was, was married out in the uh, Ankeny area, and so we just had a lot of stuff going on. Um, and in the midst of it, some, some refreshment and some, some project sorts of stuff. Uh, a few people have already asked me, how are you doing on that uh, First John book that I told you I was going to write? Um, slow but sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, here's my big lesson about writing a book. Man, that's hard. Uh, <laughs> hats off to those people who write books. That, yeah, it's uh, a lot harder than it looks, I think I'll say. Um, so, uh, but I, I was working that project. Thank you so much for your prayers and your encouragement with that. And I've, I haven't given up. We'll, we'll keep chipping away at that for sure. Um, yeah, so, so it's good to be back with you. It really is. Uh, we're going to be in the passage you heard a moment ago. This is kind of a one-of sermon. We're going to start a new series next week. But being uh, first Sunday back for me and after a few months away and... Uh, just even uh, just being a holiday weekend, I wanted to kind of go back to the basics a little bit this Sunday. So let's pray, and then we'll get right into this morning's text. Father, thank you so much for uh, the privilege that it is to serve you. We thank you, God, to, for the honor of being your sons and your daughters. Uh, thank you that you have spoken to us in the words of Scripture and continue to speak to us here, and you have spoken to us through your Son. I want to pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us to do what we were just singing about in that last song. Help us to behold our King this morning, to behold 
Jesus in, uh, in his words. It's all his word, but in, the, in this uh, parable here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, help us to see uh, who Christ is and, and uh, how you, you, you continue to speak to us. And so uh, we look to you now. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be pleasing to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this summer, uh, Laura and I were able to do something, another part of the sabbatical, we were able to do something that we do not usually get to do. Uh, We visited other churches. Uh, We we went to other churches because we weren't supposed to be here. (laughs) Now, we we didn't go to churches here in Atlantic. Somebody asked me early on, oh, have you been going to all the churches in Atlantic? No, we we thought that would be weird. If we started showing up at the (laughs) churches in town, you start rumors, start going around town. So so we did not visit churches here in in Atlantic. Instead, we, we took a drive. We took a drive every Sunday, and uh, we had a plan. It wasn't random. We had a plan. We actually sat down and made a list, you know, kind of adopted with, with flexibility. But at the beginning of the summer, we, we made a list of different churches in our region uh, that we've heard about over the years. And sometimes it's from one of you, you know, or you'll tell, tell us one of your children maybe goes to a church, and sometimes it's just we just hear about it from other people. And so we made a list of some of these where, where we've heard there might be something worth checking out. And so uh, that's what we would do. We would go to these different churches each Sunday. And uh, we kind of went with, with an agenda. I mean, first and foremost, we just wanted to see how God is working. We don't think we're the only church in town kind of thing, you know. And so we just wanted to be encouraged, see how God's working in, in different places. Uh, but it was also kind of practical. We were looking for ideas. You know, we, you know why, why reinvent the wheel if you can borrow somebody else's idea that's already working? And so uh, we would pay attention to uh, a lot of, like, logistical things. You know, how do they do the Lord's Supper? Or how do they do transitions from worship to, to you know, to, to the preaching part? Or you know, how do they set up their coffee? Or how do they welcome visitors? These are all things we talk about here sometimes. Even some of the facility stuff. Uh, many of you know we've been uh, on the front end of talking about the need to kind of freshen our building and do some renovations. And so we went with that eye, you know, what, what, what are some of these other buildings doing that works? And what are some things that don't work? Make sure we don't do that. So, so that was kind of one of our big projects and, and it was pretty successful. We felt like we came away with some, some good ideas. We'll see over time how good they were, but, but that was one of the things we did. There was one thing though, that, that really surprised me and it, it wasn't a pleasant surprise. I was surprised at how many churches that do not focus their sermons on the Bible. I was kind of surprised by that. Now, not all of them. I don't mean to suggest somebody's going to ask me which ones did you visit. I don't mean to suggest we're the only church in the you know, 200 square mile radius or whatever that, that preaches the Bible. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, we visited a bunch of churches, especially the free churches. Start there if you find yourself looking. Uh, uh, we, but, but not only the free churches. We found plenty of churches where, where the word is being preached. But we also ran into some that weren't. And, and I'm not talking kind of liberal churches, you know, put that in quotes and mean whatever you mean by it. I don't mean that. I mean churches that would say on their websites that they believe the Bible, and they'd say, we're, we believe in the inerrant word of God, and that's our authority, and it's, it's everything we're about. And you say, that's great. I want to go visit that church. And then you'd go, and you'd sit through their service, and you'd think, I don't really see that. I don't see where that's happening. I don't see that commitment to the scriptures. I, I remember uh, one, uh, one church, especially, I felt like the Bible was actually more of a prop uh, I remember the guy held the Bible in his hand the entire time. He was very gifted, very better speaker than I am. And he was up there for 35 minutes and he had a Bible in his hand the whole time and he never opened it even once. 
and he only referred to it like twice. I mean, it, 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 was, it was a prop more than it was the basis of what he was talking about. I, I remember that Sunday we, uh, we learned more about Tom Cruise than we did about Jesus because of a, a, an illustration he used. And so I decided on my first Sunday back to, to remind us what we're about. I, I'm not trying to criticize anybody's church. That's about as negative as I'm going to get, what I just did. Uh, you know, and who knows? Maybe we just picked the wrong week with those churches when we visited them. Maybe we were just unlucky that way. But, and so my goal isn't to kind of beat anybody up or criticize. Instead, I, I wanted to start there because I want to remind us what we're about. I want to remind us of what our foundation is. You know, if, if, if you're like, what's this church about? What are we about? Uh, we do not gather on Sunday mornings to hear some clever ideas from the guy up front. I don't have any clever ideas. We're not here to hear clever ideas. We're here to hear what God has to say to us. And there's no better place to do that than right here. Right? And that's why we modeled that for you this summer. I, here's the, the lead pastor's gone for three months on sabbatical, and we kept doing what we do. Right? We kept bringing you the word week after week after week. And the reason for that is that the Bible, God's word, is the foundation for everything we do. And so that's what uh, we're going to talk about this morning. And that is what Jesus says. That's what Jesus says in this, I'm going to call it a parable. I don't know if it, it's academically, technically a parable, but, but it sure reads like a parable. It's a parable here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Next Sunday, we are going to start a new series. I'm actually going to take us to uh, two books. We're going to combine two books because they're so similar in their themes. We're going to study 2 Peter and Jude this summer. So that's our summer series, 2 Peter and, or excuse me, our, our, uh, our fall series. 2 Peter and Jude, we'll spend seven weeks in Peter, and, and the last three will be with Jude. And uh, I'll, I'll say more next week about why I, I find myself drawn to these books and why I think they're good for us at this time. Uh, but before we get into those books next week, I just want to remind us why we do that at all. I mean, you're going to see when we get into them, they're a little weird. Uh, there's a couple of places in Second Peter, a couple of places in Jude where you're like, what in goodness is he talking about? And you say, why do we study stuff like that, right? Why don't we just study, you know, the hottest self-help tips coming out of the publishing world? Or why don't we do something like that? Why do we study the, the books of the Bible? And the reason is, is what Jesus says in this parable. So um, if you didn't before, please do open to Matthew chapter 7. Get those words in front of you. If you're a Bible app person, that's cool too. Just go to your Bible app and get Matthew 7. And uh, let's, let's look at what Jesus tells us about our foundation. So the first thing uh, we have to do is make sure we understand the story. So we're going to look at this story this morning. So let's understand the elements of the story. Then we'll kind of apply them ourselves as we go. So when we read this parable, we read Matthew 7, starting with verse 24, uh, the first thing we notice are the houses. In fact, when you read this, you might think it's a story about two houses, right? It's a story about two houses, except it's not. It's actually a story about the builders. And uh, we've actually, I've, we've, if you've been here a longer time, we've looked at this in the past, this passage, I think it was probably eight years ago or so when we did a series to the Sermon on the Mount. And I made the case then, this, this story is actually a story about the builders, it's a tale of two builders. And so it's a story about these builders and, and, and what is the distinction between these two men who in the story, the builders. Before you can talk about the builders, though, you need to understand the other elements. And so all these elements come together. And in particular, there's, there's the houses. So here's what we need to talk about. We need to talk about the houses. We need to talk about the foundations. And we need to talk about the storms. So that's really the elements of this parable. You have two foundations, two, house, two houses, two foundations, two storms. So let's start with the houses. 
The important thing to know about the houses, you read through this parable, four verses, what do you notice about the houses? The thing you notice about the houses is that they are exactly the same. That's the important part. That's the important detail here. They are exactly identical. Uh, when I was looking at this uh, passage, trying to think through like, how, uh, how to teach it, how to, st- how to work, study it with you, um, one thought I had was that we could try to illustrate it tangibly, right? And so I could set up a table, and I could build two houses, right? And I could take some, some Duplo blocks, those good sturdy block ones you, you, you use with your younger children, and I could build a little house out of Duplo blocks. And then over here, I could take a deck of cards, and I could build a house of cards, right? And I'd have my two houses, and then I could play Big Bad Wolf, and I could blow on the house of blocks, and I could blow on the house of cards, and the house of cards would fall down, and the house of blocks would stay standing right there, right? And, and, and you could do that. And it seems like an appealing illustration until you realize that's not what's going on here. That's not how Jesus tells the story. If you look at his grammar, you look at his word choices, you look at what he says here, Uh, He describes them exactly the same. They are exactly the same. And so you picture two houses. They've got the same windows. They've got the same Anderson doors. They got the same HVAC system. They got the same floor plan. They got the same 30-year roof. Everything's the same. Everything's the same about these two houses. So what does that mean? What is Jesus trying to tell us when he tells us that the two houses are exactly the same? Well, the the answer to that is that the two houses represent our lives. And so you've you've got two types of lives or two two, two lives that these builders are building. Because remember, it's about the builders. So the builders build these lives that look the same. Uh, They both have families. They both have jobs. They, maybe they celebrate the same holidays. Maybe they both root for the same teams. Maybe they drive the same kind of truck. All that kind of stuff. They, they just look the same. Right? And, and, and that's the point. I think that's the point Jesus is making here. Uh, when you look at the outside, it looks the same. And, and isn't that so often true? Don't you find that to be true about our lives? Uh, a lot of times the basic structures of people's lives look the same whether they believe in Jesus or not, right? Whether you believe in Jesus or not, it, it, a lot of times it looks the same because Christians don't glow. We don't glow. You, you can't tell just by looking. We go to work just like non-believers do. We go to the store. We go to school. We go to the park. We go to a sporting event. We, we fall in love. Maybe we have kids. All those, the stuff you can see, the stuff you can see a lot of times looks the same. And so the houses, the lives they're building are identical. So where's the difference? What's the difference that's going on here uh, in, the, in the story that Jesus is telling? And the answer is that, the, is that they are building, the two builders are building on radically different foundations. Radically different foundations. One of the men builds on the rock. All right, you see it there. He talks about it. The rock, not just a rock, but the rock, which I think is intentional on Jesus' part. I know it is. Uh, and his idea is that the, the builder builds on a strong foundation, a strong, solid foundation. It's a house built on the rock. Uh, years ago, uh, years ago, our family uh, took a vacation with some friends on, uh, to Maine. It's up on the coast of Maine. And whenever I read this parable, <clears throat> I, I think of a lighthouse that we saw 
on that vacation. So one of the little day trips we took with all of our little kids, this was years ago when the kids were little, uh, was we visited one of those iconic New England lighthouses. And, and so there was the, the tower, the lighthouse with the beacon at the top that the ships can see from out so they know not to go crashing into the light, you know, into the, into the cliffs. And there was a house. So a house attached to the, to the pillar and, and to, the, to the tower. And it was right there on the edge. Right? And so you, you, you see this thing and it was right up on the edge looking out over the ocean. And quite honestly, it looked kind of precarious, right? You look at this thing from the side and you're like, that thing's going to fall right into the sea, right? It was one good gust of wind and it might just go right down. And yet it doesn't. It's been there for for decades, for centuries, if I remember right, uh, because it's built on this granite cliff, right? And so those Atlantic hurricanes come and they're beating against the the, the winds coming and all the rest, but that lighthouse stands strong. And, and, and that's the kind of picture, probably not what Jesus is thinking of. He's thinking more of something built on kind of that solid uh, Palestinian, uh, that solid uh, ground that they have there. So much of it is rock. Uh, but, but I think that's a picture to, to think of this solid, secure foundation that he's describing. The other house, right? So you got house number one's built on the rock. House number two is built on the sand, he says built on the sand. And the word he uses there, it, it actually, a lot of times we'll think of like a beach, and the word, it would be the right word. It would be the right word, the Greek word for a sandy shore or a beach. Uh, but in, uh, in, when you're describing things that are in Israel, a lot of times what they're describing is actually the bed of a river. See, the, the rivers, and, and there's this sandy soil on the, be- the riverbeds in Israel. See, a lot of the rivers in Israel are not wet all year long. They're, they're actually dry during the dry season. So the Jordan River's wet all the time. It gets lower during the dry season, but the Jordan always runs. But there's a whole bunch of these little rivers or streams even, we might call them, uh, called wadis. It's a, I think it's an Aramaic or maybe it's an Arabic word. W-A-D-I, wadi. And it's a, it's a specific kind of, of, of a stream where it's dry, bone dry, in the dry season. In fact, if you didn't know the terrain, you might not even think that it's a river at all. And, but then when the rains come, these things are, these can be raging uh, tor- torrents if the, in the middle of a storm. And, and the word Jesus uses here is for the sand you find in the bottom of those wadis. It's not solid rock that you get up in the higher areas. It's this sandy soil. And you might see one of those riverbeds, and if you didn't know better, you might build your house there. You might say, oh, this is great. The kids can go out and play in it, and it'll be great. <laughs> it might be really nice. Uh, if you want a, a, a more uh, closer picture for us, you might picture the uh, Little League fields here in Atlantic. Uh, all right, yeah, you know, right? If you've lived here a little while, uh, I don't know if it happened this year because it has been so dry, but many times in the spring, those things will just flood, right? And it's great. It's a great place for a little league game, but you wouldn't build a house there, right? If somebody ever tries to sell you a piece of property to build a house right next door to the little league game, little league field, you know, run. You don't want to build there because of the, the Nishnabotno will go over and it's just, I don't even know all the, if it's just too low. I don't know. Somebody could tell me afterwards, but, but it just gets a lot of water there. And that's kind of what, to, that's a good picture of what we've got with the second one. That house built in a floodplain is basically what he means. And so it's the house on the rock and the house on the floodplain. So the houses represent the lives, which can look much the same a lot of times that people build. What do the foundations represent in the parable? And the answer, Jesus tells us, he comes right out and tells us, the answer is that the foundations represent how we respond to God's word. 
That, that's the, you know, to get really as precise as we can in this setting, uh, the foundations are the response. And so on the one hand, there's a response of obedience. That's the life built on the rock of obedience to Jesus' word. In context, the Sermon on the Mount, but in the bigger picture, the whole of Scripture, because it's God's word. And so obedience to God's word is the house on the rock. Disobedience to God's word is the house on the sand. And, so, and he explains that, verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that emphasis on obedience. Verse 26, the contrary, everyone who hears these words and does not put them into practice. And so that's the contrast. If you want a strong foundation, if you want to build your house on a strong foundation, then build your house, your life, on obedience to, to the word of God. That's the, the point of that parable. Now, at this point, someone could say, and it would be a legitimate question, someone could say, but why does it matter, <laughs> right? I mean, what, what's the big deal? You just said the houses are the same. You just said the houses look the same, the lives look the same, so why do I need a strong foundation? I mean, maybe building in the, in the sandy soil is cheaper, right? Maybe that's going to be easier to build in the sandy soil. So, so why, why? What's the difference? Why, why not just build on the sandy one? And the answer the parable gives us is that there will be storms. There will be storms, right? And, and so you have your two builders. They're building their two houses. They make their choice about which of their foundations they build on. And at first, it looks like the foundations are equally good. Everything's fine. And then the storms come. The storms come. And actually, technically, the way it's, it's, it seems to be the same storm on, affecting the two houses. But I like the, the duality here. So the two storms come rolling in. And Jesus describes what happens to them. He says, the rain's coming down, right? The rain is, and, and, and the, other, the thing to note here is that the storms are exactly the same too. Jesus makes strong use of repetition in this parable. The words are exactly the same. The rains came down and the floods, the wind beat on the houses and the waters are, are starting to rise. And so the water's coming up around both houses. And as this is happening, only one survives. Only one of the houses survives. And so the house built on the rock stands firm, and the house built on the sand collapses. And, he, and, and it's not just a little collapse. Verse 27, it fell and great was the fall of it. It crashed with a great crash. So we talked about the houses. We talked about the foundations. Uh, what are the storms in the story? What do the storms represent? What is it that's going to test our foundations? That's, that's the question. What is it that tests our foundations? And, and so the storms represent, I'm going to argue two things, actually. The storms represent two things. The first might surprise you a little bit because it's not the one we usually think of first. The first is, is judgment. It's actually the final judgment of God. I think that's how Jesus tells the story. Uh, it's, it's the capital S storm of the wrath of God's judgment. And the reason I say that is, is context. Uh, if in uh, verses, this is what Jesus is talking about at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And so in verse 21, um, I won't read them, but ver, well, why not? Verses 21 through 23, he says, uh, so the immediately preceding passage, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's the same point he's making in the parable that follows. On that day, what day? Judgment day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works, mighty works in your name? Weren't we good Christians? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. He's talking about 
the, the final judgment and how we will answer to God. And, and, and there's lots of verses in the Old Testament. I'll just give you one example if you want to fact check me, but you could just do a word search. Uh, Jeremiah 23, 9, uh, or 19, excuse me, 23, 19. Uh, Behold, the storm of the Lord, Jeremiah writes, wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. If you look at that passage, you look at that chapter in Jeremiah, he's not talking about a literal storm. He's using a storm, and we've all experienced storms. He's using a storm as a metaphor, an illustration of what God's judgment is like. When it comes, it comes uh, with this, this strength. And so one of the things Jesus is saying, and, and I would argue it's the lead thing he's saying with this parable, is that those who build their life on God's word will stand. They will stand on Judgment Day. And, when, and, and it's so important to realize we're not, talking, we're not being legalistic as we talk about this this morning. So we're not talking about kind of you got to do all the things and follow all the rules or you're going to burn in hell. That's, that's not the message. He's talking about his word. And so the message of grace, the message of the gospel, the message of you're saved by, by grace through faith alone. It's that whole message. <clears throat> and so those who have yielded their lives to Jesus, those who are saved by grace because they've put their faith in him, and then follow that with the growing fruit of obedience as the Holy Spirit leads and guides us, uh, those people will stand. They will stand because they've built their house on the rock. On the other hand, the contrast, those who build their lives on disobedience, will be, uh, will, it'll be exposed. It'll be exposed on Judgment Day, Jesus says. So, so he's talking about kind of, he's looking way ahead. He's looking ahead to that last day that it, it behooves us all to, to think about because life is short. Uh, he's also talking, though, about another kind of storm, and this is the application we tend to think of uh, when we read this, like if you're just reading it devotionally, like in your devotions or something like that, and it's the little storms. You can go ahead and put that in quotes because they don't always feel so little, but it's all the little storms that come during our lives. It's the hard things that happen. Those are the things that test our foundations all along the way. It's life's storms. And so it's the spouse that walks out or the painful breakup that you go through or the cancer diagnosis or the miscarriage or the, the chronic pain that the doctor says should get better, but it's not getting better. It's the rebellious child, the, uh, the abusive parent, the fatal accident, the unexpected layoff. All these different things, those are, those are those storms that blow and rage against us. And those are when our faith is tested. That's when our foundation is tested. That's where we see how strong it is. That's why it's important to build on a strong foundation. Anyone can look like they're pulling it off with grace, right? when things are easy. Anyone can be cooled and relaxed when life is going well. That's easy. But what happens when it gets tough? What happens when it gets hard, when the flood waters rise and the winds are beating against the doors? Are we swept away or do we stand firm? That's why the foundation is so important. And that's why it all comes back to the builders. Again, it's a, a tale of two builders. Because I mentioned this, uh, Jesus tells this parable as the conclusion to his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, but it's a principle that's not just applies, that doesn't just apply to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it applies to, to the whole of Scripture, and, and, what he, there, and there's a question, there's an implied question that Jesus leaves us with there at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and the question is, which builder are you? He doesn't ask the question, but I think he tells it in such a way that if you and I had been there that day listening to him tell that, to preach the Sermon on the Mount, and then he got to the end, and he tells about these two builders, we'd be sitting there thinking, which one am I? Which builder am I? Am I building my life on the rock, 
or am I building my life on the sand? And he's got a message for each. If you're building on sand, there's a warning, right? There's a warning built into this parable. Jesus wants us to know if we're building our life on the sand, that's a dangerous place to build. That's like building in a floodplain. Things might seem okay now while the, air, while the skies are sunny, uh, but when the storms come, they will not be okay. The house will be in danger. On the other hand, if you're building on the rock, and sometimes it's hard to build on the rock, it takes more effort, right? It's harder oftentimes. But if we're building on the rock, Jesus, I think there's an encouragement here. <laughs> you're doing it right. may not feel like it, depending on your circumstances, but you are doing it right. Well done. You are living a wise life by building on the rock of God's word. And this wise life involves two things. And I knew I'd have a little extra time. And so I really, and, and this for me was one of the big takeaways from, uh, of some, some of the reading I was doing this summer, is, is he really drills down on this. He emphasizes in this parable what that wise life involves, right? So it would be easy to kind of keep this parable kind of up here on the principle level and not make it a little more personal. So let's make it a little more personal. Uh, two things, right? How are we going to do this? How do I build my life on the, on, the, on the foundation of the Word of God? It's, the answer is right there in the parable. And there's two things Jesus talks about. The first is we need to hear it. Right? This is the language Jesus uses. Everyone who hears these words of mine, he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine, he repeats it twice. Uh, everyone who hears these words of mine. How do we do that? How do we hear the words of, of Jesus, of, of God? How do we hear God's word? Well, a couple of, uh, let me throw out a couple of suggestions. This isn't comprehensive, but one of the ways we do it is what you're doing right now. <laughs> It's what you're doing right now. And what I do is why you can see why this would be important to me. I've given my life to it. Uh, it's sermons, right? Listening to God's word preached. And, and I want to emphasize biblical sermons. Not, I'll call them TED Talk sermons. Right? Those, those are nice. Those are useful. But do you know what I mean by TED Talk sermons? It's kind of, they're, they're all polished. And, and, you know, TED Talks, there's this whole phenomena in our culture over the last 10 or 15 years where, where people will give these very polished talks and, and they're all way, you know, awesome speakers and they have clever ideas and brilliant, you know, illustrations that they think of. And, and they're meant to kind of change your life. But they always, the thing they all have in common is they all come out of the speaker's head. Right? So the speaker's got some good ideas, and then he or she gets up and gives, gives his or her talk. Uh, that's not what that we're talking about. That's not a biblical sermon. A biblical sermon, and a biblical sermon is a sermon that comes out of the book. Right? It, it's, it's a sermon where the outline comes from the text. I'm, I'm trying to model that this morning. It doesn't mean it has to be dry and boring, but, but, but the points and even the illustrations, they come out of the text, not out of the, out of the person's head, but out of the text. Even the tone, right? If, it, if, it's a, if it's a strong passage, a warning passage, the tone should be strong and warning. If it's a comforting passage and a joyful passage, we should be joyful. That's a biblical sermon. It's a sermon where it's all coming out of the word, not out of this guy's head or whoever's standing here, right? Too many sermons. This is what I ran into this summer, and, and, and I knew it was out there, and I know you've all seen it in your own travels. Uh, too many pastors, even in the evangelical movement, right, the, the broad kind of Bible-believing Christians, uh, too many, I think, you're going to get me here, uh, too many preach sermons that are just based on, on the pastor's opinion, 
right? And he'll have an opinion. So he's like, he's like, I got a pretty good marriage. So what are 10 things my wife and I do that make us have a good marriage? And he writes down the 10 things. And he's like, now, where does it say that? And he starts hunting for verses and he'll give you a verse for, oh, we never go to bed angry. Oh yeah, there's that one that says we never go to bed angry. And, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he goes from here to here to there. I don't think that's a biblical sermon. For one thing, who cares? I'm serious. Who cares what I think? Who cares what any pastor thinks? If you want opinions, go watch cable news. (laughs) Right? Seriously. I don't know why you would do what you do for just human opinions. Why we would do this for, for human opinions. Especially when we can find out what God thinks by, by simply taking the time and doing the hard work of exploring his word together. So biblical sermons, that's what you got to look for. And I know, you know sometimes it, I do hear from people. Sometimes people are like, I, we've searched for three months. We still can't find a church where they're preaching from the Bible. So, but but I, I, that needs to be what we're aiming for. And it's, it's what we're going to do. It's what we do here at our church. However, sermons are not enough. And that's a hard one for this guy to say, right? For, for given what I do, uh, it's hard for me to say, but we also need to be in the book ourselves. Because right? if, you just, if you just listen to my sermons or John Piper's sermons or whoever your favorites is, uh, if we only listen to sermons, we're not in it ourselves. And, and what does Jesus say here? I mean, he, he's, he's talking about individual Christians. We need to hear. We need to hear his word. And one of the ways we do that is, is being in the book ourselves. We need to read the Bible. And there's different ways to read the Bible. Uh, one of the um, like different approaches, and there, I think as long as we're honoring the text, it's, it's valid. Like, so what do I mean by that? Well, one way, I, I actually read this helpful book, or one of the books I read this summer, it's called The Relational Soul, I think was the name of it. And um, it, was, uh, it was really good. It was kind of a, a lot about kind of um, your own relationship with the Lord. And there was this section toward the end, um, it's probably the thing I remember the most, it was only about two pages, but the authors kind of talked about different ways to engage with Scripture. And, and they talked about, one way they talked about is mastering the Scripture. We, we read the Bible to master it in the sense that we, we read it to know it. You, you can't build your life on the Bible if you don't know what's in it, right? So we, we, need, we read it to know it. We read it to know what's in here, um, you know, and so, you know, we read it to know, you know, well, what is the, how does, how does Exodus connect to Romans? And all these, just, I could give lots of examples, but just different ways that the scripture is, it's a, it's a single story that God is telling from beginning to end. And, and so we need to, to understand it. And so we do things like, I don't know how many of you uh, did it, it was about 25 signed up, but the, the read through the Bible in 90 days with Pastor Andrew, that was awesome. Right? Even if you only got through half of it, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, because that's a, that's a good thing to do, right? To read through the Bible. Uh, maybe 90 days is too aggressive. Do it in a year. Do it in two years. Just do it systematically in whatever way. Uh, if you need ideas, come talk to me or Andrew. Either of us could give you ideas. Uh, but, but reading the Bible from cover to cover is a good thing. It's a good thing for us to do. I'll bet you this is shorter than The Lord of the Rings. I guess I haven't counted the words, but I'll bet it is. <laughs> so, so we can do that. We can do that. We can read the whole thing. So we read it for knowledge, to understand it. But it doesn't stop there. We also read the scriptures to be mastered by the scriptures. And that was this point that uh, uh, the, the two authors I was reading uh, emphasized. Uh, and so it doesn't just stop with knowing what's in here. We also have to be known by it. We have to place ourselves under the authority of God's word. And that's where kind of some of those other ways of reading. When we think of, for example, uh, meditating on scripture, 
right? It's just sitting with a few verses or one or two verses and just meditating on it or reading it devotionally. Sometimes, you know, just a chapter a day or a few verses a day, reading it devotionally, meditating, uh, memorizing scripture would come under here because these are the places where we slow down and, and let scripture sort us, right? That's so important. Sometimes you need to read five chapters, but sometimes you just need to read five verses or maybe even just five words, Right? Sometimes five words will change the world, or at least change a person's heart. God so loved the world. God so loved the world. Faith without works is dead. We should love one another. Right? Sometimes five words makes all the difference in the world. And it's not enough to just know that those, those phrases are in here. We need to let those phrases sort our lives. We need to apply them to ourselves. Uh, Lord, what does it mean to me? Right? How does love one another apply to that conflict I'm having right now with my small group leader? Uh, she's really annoying me. How does love one another uh, apply to that? How does uh, faith without works is dead? How does that actually intersect with? What does that have to do with that challenge I'm facing in my business or at work or at school? Faith without works is dead. What does that have to do with it, Lord? Uh, There is now, therefore, no condemnation. This is more than five words. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1. What does that mean? What does that have to do with those negative thoughts that I've been having about myself for weeks or months or maybe for years? What does it mean that God says that I'm under no condemnation now because of my faith in Jesus Christ? That's all part of it, too. It's not not enough to just know what's in here. We need to be known by. We need to come under the mastery of what is is in here. And so we need to master the Scriptures in the sense of knowing them, and we need to be mastered by the Scriptures as well. But you know what? You heard the parable. We're not done yet. There's one more piece here, and it's the big piece, and it's obeying. So when when we talk about uh, this idea of... of, um, of building our lives on the solid foundation, the rock of God's word. It involves hearing his word, being a people of the book, and then it involves living it out, obeying it. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them, Jesus says. Notice the second one, the one who builds on sand, the one on sand also heard the words, but he does not do them. So the difference, the real difference maker, the bottom line is the doing obeying God's word. That's how we build on God's word. By his grace. It's all by grace. That's what the book says. It's all by grace. It's all through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's transforming us. If we try to do it ourselves, we're just Pharisees. We're just legalists. But by his grace, by his grace, we live it out. That's what it looks like to build our lives on the foundation of God's word. Hopefully, you never need to know this, But if you're ever in San Francisco when an earthquake hits, it turns out that the Golden Gate Bridge is one of the safest places to be. Now you hear that and you say, no way, that's impossible. (laughs) That can't be true. When an earthquake hits, then the big one comes, that's going to be the first thing to go. That big old bridge, that's going to be the first thing to go. Uh, But in fact, if if the engineers know what they're talking about, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge is actually designed to survive even the largest earthquakes. I mean, I, you know, epic, you know, tectonic, whatever, maybe will knock them down. But, but the earthquakes we experience, the Golden Gate Bridge is deliberately designed to survive them. Everything in that bridge is connected, right? It's all engineered, the pavement, those cables, the big cables, the little cables. Uh, they're all connected 
engineeringly to those piers, right? Those two piers, you can see them in that picture I put up, those two big piers. Everything's connected to those piers, and then those piers are buried deep. They are sunk deep in the bedrock, not the mud, the bedrock beneath the ocean that's there, beneath that bay. And so when an earthquake hits, that bridge is anchored in the rock. And so when an earthquake hits, and, and this, is, this happens, I mean, they have them out there, right? We know that. Uh, when that earthquake hits, that bridge will shake. And in fact, if it's a stronger one, it might even sway. <laughs> It'll start to sway back and forth a little bit. And the engineers say that if a really big one does hit, it, they, it'll take some damage, they'll have to close it, and it'll be months and months of repairs. But unless it's the end of the world, right? Unless we're talking judgment day, the Golden Gate Bridge is going to make it because it's founded, it's anchored in the rock. I think that's a good picture of what it's like to build your life on the Bible, on God's Word. When the wind blows, when the waters rise, when the earth shakes, when the worst that can happen happens, and some of you have had that, when the worst that can happen happens, you will not fall. You may feel a little wobbly, right, like on that bridge, and that's to be expected. Things do shake. But if you build your life on God's word, you will stand firm. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we thank you so much for the truth of this passage and your invitation to build our lives on on your word, to build our lives on Jesus and what he has said and what he has done for us on the cross Uh, From beginning to end, you have a plan for us, and we we thank you for the invitation to be part of it. We thank you uh, for that you've given us. We don't have to sit here and wonder, what does God want? How does God want me to conduct myself and my my friendships, my relationships, my uh, my parenting, my, my marriage if I'm married, my work? We don't have to sit and wonder. You have instructed us, and you have instructed us well in what it looks like to, uh, to, to live for you. And uh, we just thank you for that. I pray for myself and everyone uh, who's hearing uh, these words that you would empower us to do it, to build our lives. If there are places where we are uh, building uh, parts of our life on sandy soil, uh, help us to turn from that and to shore up on the rock and on the rock alone. We thank you, God, for such mercy, such kindness, such grace, and such love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.